Welcome to the EdTech Pod Squad, a monthly show where five Missouri EdTech leaders talk, share, and reflect on their own teaching and learning. The conversation with Josh Howard, Samantha Hardesty Knoll, Aaron Lawson, Jonathan Lee, and me, JP Presvento, starts right now. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the EdTech Pod Squad. We're excited to be joining you this October. Um, I'm JP Presavento, one of your five co-hosts, and we're just going to kind of whip around the room here and see who all is with us today. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us. This is Aaron Lawson. I'm the district tech coach in the Orchard Farm School District, and you can find me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Lawson3. Hi, and this is Sam Hardesty-Knoll. I'm the tech coach out at the Wentzville School District, and you can reach me on Twitter at TechKnoll. And uh, I'm Josh Howard. You can find me at Josh C. Howard on Twitter and at my website, joshchhoward.com. And we are missing Jonathan Lee today. He is on the road doing whatever in the world it is he does, uh, but he can't join us. So it's, we're going to be handling the show without him today. And like I said, I am JP Presvento. You can find me at JP Prez on the social media. We're going to jump right into our content today with what's new. And today our what's new isn't so shiny and new, but it kind of changed a little bit recently. Sam, why don't you talk a little bit about what's new right now? Well, I just wanted to talk about Flipgrid because the teachers in my district are absolutely on fire for Flipgrid and cannot get enough about Flipgrid. So um, they announced over the summer that they are free for teachers, which is always a huge bonus for our educators. Um, But it's just a great platform for students to be able to share their voice and what they know and what they're learning. Um, And then there's all sorts of twists that Flipgrid has been adding, like Uh, My personal favorite is the good old mixtapes. So um, I am a child of the 70s, and I'm proud to say that I did make mixtapes as a kid. So it's neat to be able to take those uh, different videos that students create and be able to showcase those videos as a mixtape feature. How's everybody else using Flipgrid? Um, Can we step back? Oh, sorry. Can we step back a little bit? So I've seen on Twitter them talk about the mixtapes, but I have been in my own little world, I guess, because I, so I, I don't know asked, too much about it. What is a uh, mixtape? Yeah, talk to us about the mixtapes. Like a real mixtape from like the 80s? Well, no. Well, no! I think we get that. I'm old oh. enough. But like, what is it, the Flipgrid mixtape? Because I've used Flipgrid quite a bit, but that's a new term to me. Yep, so they added these, they added what's called um, a mixtape. And what a mixtape allows a teacher to do is it allows a teacher to take um, videos off of a particular topic off a grid and put them together. So they don't have to be, the videos don't have to be the same from the same topic or from the same grid, but it allows teachers to like capture those aha moments that they see from their students and combine them all together. And then to be able to share out with, let's say like parents or a larger audience than if they're doing like in-domain um, kind of flip grids. So it lets them pull pieces from all their different grids and topics and put that together as kind of a, a showcase of students' work. Oh, that's very cool. So it's a, it sounds like a way for teachers to curate the best of student voice and put it all in one place. Absolutely. And I will actually put on our show notes, I'll put directly from Flipgrid um, how to do 
if you want to create your own mixtape, how to do that. They have a great little tutorial in their help guide. So, uh, like, when you export a mixtape, can you, like, download an MP4, or do you have to send, like, a share code? Like, how do you, how do parents watch those things? I think it's just a URL. Okay. I'm looking right now at help.flipgrid.com, and it sounds like when you make the mixtape, it's basically you're just taking these um, Flipgrid videos and popping them onto a new board that has its own little flip code. So it's still, it looks like it's all still built into that Flipgrid interface. Okay. But I also didn't know anything about Flipgrid mixtapes, so I also could be wrong. Yeah, it's, I think it's kind of cool that they have, uh, well, okay, I want to back up on Flipgrid. Does, was that, per, like, who, did somebody buy that and make it free? Is that part of a larger suite of something else now? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Well, Microsoft purchased it. But okay, I, that's what I thought. Yeah, I can't speak to whether it's part of a uh, larger set of their tools. Okay. That's the last thing I heard, and I, and I know that they've, I think it's really cool they're, they're supporting it like that. I just haven't checked out any of these new features. Last time I did, we did like a Flipgrid uh, challenge thing with teachers a few months ago, and one of the things was they had to get on there, and they each had to be part of a larger Flipgrid thing, but I didn't remember uh, mixtapes being, being that sort of thing. So a lot of what I was, what our teachers are using it for is kind of like a formative assessment where uh, kids are just doing little reflection videos and stuff, but it's cool that they kind of have this uh, more social sharing aspect kind of tools they're building into it as well. I think that's awesome. Our math teachers um, here in Orchard Farm, you know, they're always talking about, you know, how can we use um, these Chromebooks? How can we use these Chromebooks for math? You know, that's always a really hard thing to do as a math teacher. And so last week, um, one of our middle school math teachers, eighth grade, she um, had this lesson about inequalities i am not a math teacher i don't know but she had these different like multi-step inequalities single step i have no idea but basically she teamed up with a teacher in the rockwood school district that um she knew was doing that same lesson like the, like basically this week and so all of our teacher um our eighth grade teacher she had all the students um teach how to do that the multi-step inequalities on Flipgrid, and then she shared that grid with the Rockwood teacher, and so basically our kids are basically teaching the Rockwood kids um, how to do that this week. Cool. Yeah, and then they'll give feedback, and then they'll do the same thing later on. So that was a pretty cool way to use Flipgrid for math, was to teach other kids. Hmm. That's awesome. Can I quick sidebar? I think we should do a whole episode soon on how we use EdTech in math. I'm just saying. That would be a great episode. I would listen to that more than I would participate, but I would love to hear it. That sounds like a great topic idea. All right. Well, it's on the podcast now, so we have to do it. Okay. Good one. Uh, I, another quick question. Does Flipgrid, can you record your screen or is that just your camera? Or can you kind of go back and forth? Um, no, I think it's, I think it's just using the okay. camera. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I think it'd be cool, kind of like what Aaron was talking about, uh, where you could show your screen, but also kind of like on when you're FaceTiming somebody, you can like flip your phone around. Like, I think that would be kind of neat to be able to do that. But there you go, Flipgrid. I got a feature request for you uh, at a screen recorder. Nice. Now, I know, like, I think it's Matt Miller who talks about using Screencastify and smashing it together with Flipgrid. So doing the Screencastify to record your screen. And then I think if I'm right, you can upload 
um, other videos to Flipgrid, which used to be a paid feature, yeah. which now is part of the free where Microsoft yay features. Um, so I guess that's kind of the workaround, but I don't know that it's natively built into the Flipgrids. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, and I added another thing to our um, show notes as well is Flipgrid. So in the month of October, their focus is on app smashing and innovation. So they do talk a lot about how to use other apps together um, to make it a better experience. So that's probably where you can pr bring in another tool that would allow you to do some of the things that you're talking about, Josh. Sounds about right. Very cool. Any, any other thoughts we have on Flipgrid today, guys? Check it out. I don't know why anybody wouldn't use it now that it's free. So jump on that train. No joke. That was my big thing last year. I made a round to all my PLCs to talk about Flipgrid and had to give all these buts, kind ofs. But now, I mean, I don't know why why folks wouldn't be using it. It's secure. It's safe. It's free. It's device agnostic. Let's give it a go. It is nice when you're leading a session. You don't have to back yourself up every couple of minutes because you're like, well, yeah, but if you want to pay, you can do this or well, make sure your kids are over 13 if they sign up for this thing, like just making it um, uh, safer and easier and where there, there aren't going to be all those potholes teachers step in because they don't want to pay for a premium account. Yep. I love how they've added that, like what kind of community do you want to be in? So you can lock it down to be just in your domain. Um, and that's kind of nice. That's a nice feature for our teachers and students. I am, I'm kind of, I'm really impressed with their customer service and their like support because we had had a few students who were using, um, I don't know how to explain it. Teachers had old grids that they weren't really using anymore. So some teachers had, some students had got onto those old grids and were recording and kind of using it like a, you know, um, a chat, video chat thing that wasn't being monitored. So we were able to like go in and uh, work with them to have them shut all that down and remove that and um because the teacher wasn't here anymore but the the, the account uh. was live so uh there was no way for us to access it we couldn't get passwords we couldn't you know um and they were really helpful with that so uh and they totally understood and um acted quickly and this was like the day before thanksgiving break last year so uh it would have been really easy for them to brush it off but uh they they served us well so good customer support with flipgrid as well that's awesome huh. very cool good shout outs for the for the flipgrid today mm -hmm. we're gonna dive on into our featured content for today's episode and today our our conversations can be all about the pd that we provide and reflecting on how we plan, what goes well, and what doesn't go well. You know, as you guys listening probably know, um, <clears throat> all five of us here on the EdTech Pod Squad, in some way, shape, or form, we're coaches and leaders of professional development. So this is all kind of right in our wheelhouse. Whether you are a teacher that is thinking about getting into leading professional development, or you just kind of want a behind-the-scenes look at what goes into planning some of that PD. This will be a great conversation for you. So I'm gonna just gonna start by throwing a question out to the group. And when you're thinking about you know, PD, maybe you're thinking long-term and you're trying to plan your year out. How do you figure out what your teachers need? Well, I know here um, we, you know, we send, I send out a needs assessment. Um, we kind of do kind of a layered kind of thing. So basically we have our, 
a professional development committee for the entire district. And there are people that represent um, different buildings, grade levels on that committee. And they send out a needs assessment just to kind of find out overall what people in the district want um, PD-wise so we can start planning for the next year. But they anything technology that pops up on that, they share it with me so that way then I'm aware of it. Um, but then I actually send out my own uh, needs assessment usually around March or so um, to start to gather um, those needs uh, to plan then for our big PD day for technology that we have in the fall. So that's it. I just kind of get it from the entire district and try to compile it together to figure out what we need to do. We, we do kind of the same. We do, I do a needs assessment for technology stuff. Our PD committee does needs assessments for district stuff, but I'm also part of that committee. So we're looking at all the same stuff and I kind of bring them the, the technology part. Now the harder part is a lot of times our uh, teachers will ask for such a big, huge variety of stuff. Like some of them just want, how do I use my email? And then some of them are like, well, how do I make where kids can edit video and all those kind of things. So it's hard to figure out like explicit needs when you have such a variety of things. And so part of my job is to have like a vision for like, okay, what is the, uh, what are the things that our teachers need to be doing this year? And maybe they want this, but maybe our vision for, you know, we use ISTE standards for all of our technology integration. So like, that's a big part of where our PD comes from. So like what, if, if, if a student is being a creator, like we need to be able to apply that, is that where we want to go? So all of that applies back into our teacher evaluations, um, the stuff that we're looking for with administrators doing walkthroughs and things like that. So we do use the needs assessments to get like the day-to-day -day stuff teachers want to be working on. But we also just work from our vision and the things that we want to push our teachers into that might be different. Uh, those kind of risk-taking, uh, cutting-edge, newer things that they might not even know that they need to be working with. So, Josh, and really everyone else here, you know, I think we all deal with such a wide variety of needs. And, you know, three of us are singleton. And basically, you know, and Sam, I know you have, what, like 87 of the 9,000 Wentzville schools that you work with, I think. So, you know, we all have such a wide variety of schools, grade levels, and teachers we work with. How do you guys kind of find a balance between that introductory um, level learning and really meeting the needs of your high flyers, too? That, that's something that wakes me up at night, JP, to be very honest with you. So uh, we do have a wide variety of teachers that are um, really those that are running and those that are uh, really need a little bit extra help. And um, I think they, they need to both be a focus for us as coaches um, because we're, we're not helping our students if we're not helping to move along some of our reluctant or resistant teachers. Um, I wish I could say that I found the right, the, the right combination, but it is something that I, I, I continue to work at and really um, is kind of just one of my passions is how do I, you know, I see a lot of teachers that are struggling quite a bit with even just basic, basic, um, you know, computer fluency and how do you get in there to help them because most of the time they just, uh, they're afraid to look lesser than so. Um, that's a, that's definitely a struggle within our district. I would agree. And I, it's another one of those things where there's just not, 
the an elegant solution to that i can i go back and forth i have teachers who are so resistant and so reluctant to try anything new that i don't i feel like it is a like slamming my head against the wall and it's a waste of time to even try to introduce something new to them but then i also um i'll have teachers who are uh doing such amazing crazy awesome things that it's like okay maybe i don't need to intervene here as much so it's you know it's knowing your teachers and finding uh maybe the most baby step kind of thing they can do so like uh i always feel like well i used to think google classroom was like the ultimate end because it makes so many things so much easier than the way they were before and it's going to change the way you teach blah blah blah. i have this whole spiel now now all my teachers hate it because everything changed but uh that's beside the point um uh it's uh you just for every every teacher's got something and if you can find a foothold with technology you can then kind of start to build from that first little thing you can get them to try to do i mean sam i can see why you stay up while you wake up in the middle of the night, you know, worrying about that kind of thing, because, you know, those of you that are in those really large districts, I just don't, I don't know how you do it. I mean, because I feel like, I feel like I can't even get to all of my teachers, and I'm in a little tiny school district, um, and, and I don't even know how I would even function without my district tech committee members that are in all the buildings, without our IT department, with, um, without our innovation teachers. I mean, they, we're like this big team to try to you know, reach as many teachers as possible. And I just don't think I'd be able to do it by myself. So what kind of strategies do you guys employ when it comes to reaching all those teachers? Because obviously, you know, and, and I'm being realistic, at least from where I sit, I can't have one-on-one -on -one time or even I mean, one-on-five time with every teacher in my district. So what kind of strategies do you all use to kind of get the learning out there. I know Josh, last time you talked a lot about the badging that you guys do over in Fulton, which I know is so incredibly helpful, but how do we get, like, how do we make time? How do we make the most of our time when it comes to getting learning out to our teachers and making contact? Um, with me and the badging is part of like what, I, what I'll share here, but finding the, those moments that your teachers are, will be willing to learn something new and that's rarely the time when I pop into their classroom at eight or seven thirty in the morning, um, or right after school. Uh, PD days—they're usually uh, working on other things, and technology isn't their deal. So I've just tried to find ways that teachers can come to this stuff at times that work for them and that are convenient for their schedule. And so uh, the badging is a big part of that because that's totally personalized, and we have like sixty-something options, and teachers can do that whenever they want. But another thing that I've started doing is um, a couple of times a month, I'll just do a live stream professional development session where I'll just, uh, and I use YouTube live, like I'm doing one today after school. But, um, and, but all that is, is the same thing I do in a session where typically I'll have teachers driving across, uh, you know, we're in a tiny town, but teachers still don't at 3.30 want to drive over to another school and sit in a media center for an hour and learn something new. So I just stream, a big thing I've been doing this year is I stream on YouTube Live. They can come to the live stream if they want, and I use the chat as a way to interact with them and do Q&A, but also then that archives automatically. So they will, if they miss that session, they can come back uh, tomorrow or next week and watch the same thing, get the Q&A, and then they'll still get, you know, a big driver here is make sure that they get their 
uh, CU credit and their tech PD credit for our districts. So they can still get that stuff because, you know, a big part of feedback with us, if they don't feel like they're getting credit for their learning, they're not going to do it either. So we had to find ways to make the learning flexible where teachers do it on their own time, but they, that we could also verify that they were using the stuff they were doing. So that's been a big push for that. And that's where the badging came from too. The teachers are doing that on their own time and then we can verify the work that they're doing in that way. So is this your first year doing the, um, the YouTube Live? I piloted it last year. I did three kind of intermittently throughout the year to see what kind of num what numbers would be how much work I'd have to put into it. Um, but I found out that uh, even if I would only get five or 10 who would tune in live, I was getting teachers who would email me and be like, hey, can I get that link? Uh, I wanna see that. So I was getting better turnout on the live streams than I was last year. And I did one in November last year, March, and then I did one in May. And um, so now I do them twice a month and I get better turnout than I ever did for live sessions because those are voluntary. They were not mandatory. And um, I'm getting a lot more interest from teachers, but, but uh, yeah, it was just something I threw against the wall last year from looking at feedback about when teachers wanted their professional development to be happening. Um, and now it's a regular part of our offering this year. All right, that's, that's really cool. So what kind of topics do you cover in that? So I go back to the needs assessments, but a lot of that will be uh, based on the the whole district vision again. So like we just had uh, Joe Sanfilippo come in and talk to our district and he, his big thing is selling your district, using social media, telling your district story, positivity, all that. So um, I did one at the end of September was starting uh, how to safely create a Facebook page for your class, how to lock it down, privacy, what to share, how to get started with that. Um, and then the one I'm doing, I'll be doing later today is, all of the changes made to Google Classroom, a big chunk of feedback on our needs assessment was, oh, can we have the old Google Classroom back? Can we roll back the chain? Like, oh, no, none of that's gonna happen. What we'll do is we'll do a session where we'll talk about the new features and how to use those better. But it's all, all of that PD is, uh, I try to make it relevant to the things that the teachers are asking for. Awesome, that's all really good stuff. Um, in what other ways are we like how how else do we find ways to be creative with our planning or flexible with the offerings that we have so we're doing a lot of um this year we're offering a lot more courses online um and we do like we'll meet the teachers that are in our online courses we'll come to their buildings and meet them face to face so many times but then we uh do a lot of our coursework on canvas um, and use, utilize just an online platform. So it's a little bit more flexible for our teachers. I'm always trying to think about like what, you know, what Josh was saying with you know, trying to reach teachers in, in different ways and trying to be creative in that reaching way. And I, you know, we do, um, I do a potty PD where I have like a piece of paper that I put different things on there for like different updates, like the classroom or something and just slap it right there in all the bathroom stalls because then it's right there in front of you and you can't miss it. You just learn right from it. But, okay, so do you, do you guys wanna hear an idea that I was thinking about? Yeah, was thinking absolutely. About okay, so at night when I'm laying in bed, I always pull my phone up and I start looking at Facebook. I spend way too much time looking at Facebook. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I, ha I join all these little groups with like boutiques and little you know people getting on there and 
look at these new leggings and they're 10 bucks and all that kind of stuff. So I was thinking about it and I'm like, hmm, what if I got a group of people together and we all um, just randomly came up with like a one or two minute little live video on Facebook talking about some new tech thing or whatever. And so then that way then when our teachers, including myself, when we're just sitting there nine o'clock at night flipping through our Facebook, we watch our live two minute tech video. That's really, that's really smart. I mean, that is um, what I always tell our leadership in our district is if you want teachers to, if you want to have the most authentic FaceTime with teachers, get onto their social media feed. And most of our teachers aren't using Twitter. Like, let's be honest, not in that way. They're not getting on there at nine o'clock to see what's going on in the world on Twitter. They're going to be on Facebook. So I, I've kind of started doing this a little bit. A lot of the videos and the sessions I do, I will cross post to Facebook, but, um, teachers aren't liking our tech Facebook page because uh, I don't know, we're not selling it or whatever, but I think you're totally right with that model. If you can get to, into their Facebook feed, those are the moments when, Hey, they're scrolling through, they're going to see something and they might, uh, Oh yeah, I'm doing, I need to do an, I need an idea for a project or that looks like something I could try next week. Like absolutely. And I think that's a great idea. All right. I'm doing I like it. That a, I like that a lot. I've also seen, a lot of folks going the Instagram live route and using their Instagram stories for that kind of thing. Like I know I have one of my ELA teachers who she is constantly sharing out on Instagram what she's doing and a lot of it's final products. So we don't necessarily see the process as much, but I can see um, the stories or the, the new IGTV thing as a way to kind of share out some of that learning. And it's really all about meeting your audience where they are. So, you know, Aaron, Josh, you guys, it sounds like you know your teachers are on Facebook and that's the place to meet them and just figuring out where, where everyone is and make sure the learning is, is in that place. So let's um, talk a little bit now about after our learning takes place. So, you know, we talked a little bit about Josh, you have your YouTube live and Aaron, the potty PD. And, you know, the one thing we actually haven't talked about is I guess our big face-to-face -face PD days, like uh, Josh and I just visited out at Orchard Farm for their uh, technology taco fest. Great model. Um, so how do we know it works? How do we know it, it doesn't work? What do we do to kind of figure that out? Well, and thank you guys for coming out and presenting at our Let Us Talk About Tech Day. <laughs> and maybe we should take a step back because I guess everyone who's going to listen doesn't know exactly what this is. Um, Orchard Farm does a, an annual tech-themed PD day, and there's always a fun theme involved. And Aaron, you always invite out um, some of your tech friends to come out and present. So as we record here on the 3rd of October, last Friday the 28th, Mm -hmm. Aaron had Josh and I and a bunch of other folks out to Orchard Farm who presented a couple sessions at the Let Us Taco Bout Tech PD Day. It was a great day, and we, believe it or not, had tacos for lunch. Fantastic. <laughs> it was great. Moe's. Shout out to Moe's. It was good lunch. <laughs> it was really good. But yeah, we try to make our, we try to make our tech PD really fun. And um, even with like the name and stuff, you know, we'll have like a whole, we'll send out a Google form back in the spring for teachers to to come up, send in the names that they think would be fun, and then we vote together as a district to come up with the topic. And so one of our elementary teachers was the one that came up with the Let Us Talk About Tech. And so it's always, that makes it really creative and fun to have a theme for it. Um, and we, I was just glad to have you guys out there. But after, after a big day like that, um, 
Oh, by the way, backtrack. We used to have this tech day in October and it was always during the week of parent teacher conferences. Um, and so this is our first year bumping it back and putting it to into September. And I could tell immediately, and so I really hope that it stays in September, I could tell immediately the difference because um, our teachers seemed uh, even more excited. They seemed energized. They, they were ready to learn. Um, whereas in October, they were still excited about it, but they were exhausted from after an entire week with parent-teacher conferences and getting grades together and stuff. So that, that was a huge piece too with designing professional development. It's the timing of when are you going to have that PD and when's the best for your teachers. And, and then the follow-up too, I've already, I already had a lot of emails from teachers ready to get together and start to get to work on what they learned. So it's pretty cool. When you're thinking about that event, and this is open for all of us, obviously, how do we know what worked and how do we follow up to find out what worked and what didn't work? So we do, um, in the summer specifically, we do 20 days of technology PD throughout the course of the summer. Um, and those, after each one of the PDs, we do, um, well, we did like some flip grids of what, what did you like, what did you not like, and then just having those conversations with our teachers, as well as like an official survey as to what worked and what didn't work. Um, but then from that, we take a and create a spreadsheet of all of the people that attended with us, what building they're in. And so like just today, when I was coming into one of my buildings, uh, the first thing that I checked was that spreadsheet so that I could look to see, hey, those are my teachers that we went through and did Google Classroom. I'm gonna check on and just pop in and say, hey, how's this going? Do you have any questions about the changes? And that just gives me a little bit more of an ability to connect and make sure that I'm following up with their learning and you know, just checking in with them and checking in specifically with what they learned with me in the summer. Yeah, that's a, um, I mean, we do a lot of the, uh, you know, do a evaluation at the end. How well was it relevant? Was it, you know, does it apply? Does, is this something you could do next week? Um, but a bigger part of what helps me know, like what's kind of taking root in a teacher's practice is, we like to have them share that stuff out on like Twitter or uh, get together and if they're collaborating on a project, like email that out to the district news or something like that. Because we realize we don't take nearly enough um, time to celebrate like teachers taking risks or trying new things. So what I'll do is I will just literally go out to these classrooms like after we do a, a big, you know, we do a big session on Flipgrid. So I'm going to go be around in buildings the next week, popping into rooms and just asking teachers, hey, you know, you tried that yet? Is that something, can I come in here in a couple of days and like see how that's going? Um, I have the freedom and liberty to do that because my district is small enough and I can get into most classrooms in a week, you know, if I had to. Uh, but being able to go face to face and asking teachers to share that out and celebrate those kind of things that they're trying to do uh, goes a pretty long way here. Um, and typically after I do a big group session like that, we'll have some sort of challenge component that goes along with it. So like we actually, we did a Flipgrid one, Flipgrid challenge. And um, back in those days, you still had to pay for a premium account. So we were giving out premium accounts. Um, we had stickers and swag. Uh, they had sent us one of those green screen pack deals. So if we saw teachers were actually using this, we're gonna support you by giving you the opportunity to like win like this cool 
thing that you, you can show off uh, the, the awesome stuff that you were doing in your classroom with it. You know, one of the things that I struggle with over here, um, you know, I, I have 18 sites and I used to think that I did a lot of PD and then I started talking to you guys and I'm like, oh, maybe I don't do nearly as much PD as I thought. But, so I do this PD and then I have a really hard time with following up on the learning to see if, you know, the learning was implemented, the learning was effective. We do, you know, kind of the same stuff that everyone else does when it comes to the surveys for follow-up. The one thing I hadn't thought about until you said it, Sam, was the idea of actually keeping those spreadsheets with me. And as I walk into schools, uh, make sure to visit those teachers. But one thing I do to try and help me keep tabs on folks, not keep tabs on folks, but follow up effectively. I have folks fill out um, a reflection at the end of every PD session they come to with me. So for my summer stuff, for example, they filled out a little reflection at the end. Um, what did you like? What did you learn? What are you going to use? And when do you think you're going to try it? And then based on that, the teachers then will get an email back from me a week after they said they're going to try something. To, so it'll say, hey, you said you, you learned with me on blank day and you were going to try whatever the thing was. How'd it go? What can I help with? Have you not had a chance to try yet? Oh, well, how can I help you get it going? And that's just my little way of making sure that the teachers know I didn't forget about them and keeping up with that feedback loop. Since I, you know, I have so many places to go and so many teachers that I learn with, just giving them that opportunity to kind of learn with me, or I'm sorry, to keep that feedback and conversation going. Yeah, like I kind of what you're getting at is what's your, what is a teacher's accountability for actually trying stuff out? And that's a part where it's really easy to get lost in the woods a little bit, just because I always feel like it's such a victory if I get people to show up and attend a session or if they come, if the, if the evaluation says that they really enjoyed it, but when it all boils down to it, if they show up and they enjoy the session, none of that matters unless they go back to a classroom and they start doing it. What is, uh, what accountability measures do we put in place? And like, I, I, there, I don't know the answer to that question. If you guys have something that you do that really works, feel free to let me know. The things that I've tried are using social media to have teachers share. But again, that is something that is totally voluntary and not a thing that is, um, officially measured, um, or trying to get teachers to share artifacts of the ways that students are doing those things. So yeah, I asked teachers the same questions. How'd that go? Did you try it? Can I see something that your students do? Um, I would love if you would share with our district PLC team, like how this helped you as a teacher, you know, stuff like that. Um, but again, my a struggle that I always have is accountability just cause I'm always so, so happy if people just uh, come to the stuff, you know? Well, and I think that goes back to Josh, kind of knowing your audience. I think I definitely have teachers where I could push and, and hold them a little bit more accountable and say, okay, now when that happens, I want to come in and I want to observe. I want to do a spotlight on you. We do spotlights on innovation so I can come videotape it and share it with the district. But then I have that, I do have the same teachers that I'm just like, you're here. This is awesome. This is a huge step for you. So I think just knowing that, that you're going to have all those different levels um, for teachers is important. I think it's important too to um, to really know you know what is the the building's vision or focus for that school year, and it kind of helps you then for it helps me like hone in on 
maybe certain teachers that I know are part of that group, like at the elementary school, um, both of our elementary schools, they're doing leader in me. And so then I know who, you know, who's on those different committees for that leader in me. So then it helps me know that I maybe could really reach out to those people because Flipgrid would be something really amazing um, since leader in me is about, you know, collaboration and being a leader for kids. Like Flipgrid's a perfect thing. So you could reach out to those teachers and help that. Or like at the middle school, their focus this year is the SAMR level and how can they how can they work themselves up through the SAMR level and at least have one lesson this year that's uh, that's redefining um, student voice and choice at the high school. So I think those kind of things help me too, then really follow up with teachers after a, a big PD event to try to then, you know, I don't know, help them later on. Yeah, that's good stuff, guys. So I'm looking at the time and we are just about wrapping up for the day. Um, so thanks for the great conversation on planning PD figuring out what our teachers need and then kind of reflecting on what went well, what didn't. Anyone have anything to add before we wrap things up? Um, I know as we record, the Missouri Summit featuring Google for Education is this coming Saturday. So by the time you listen to this, that'll be long gone. And then Josh, you're presenting at a conference soon. Oh yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll be doing, I got a couple of things coming up. Uh, Mornet later this month uh, down at the Lake of the Ozarks. So if you're going to Mornet, I'd love to see you out there. And then I'll be presenting in uh, Topeka with EdTech team at the end of the month. So uh, that'll be another cool thing. And I'll do a lot of creative sessions uh, using Google stuff. So um, love to uh, meet anybody out there. If you're a listener, Pop in and say hey. Sam, Aaron, you guys have anything coming up that you want to want to shout out? Um, no, I was thinking about that Google Summit though. Uh, we have some teachers going, and so that's also a great way to try to do a follow up. If you have any teachers in your district that are going to that summit, you know, definitely reach out to them and see what they learned about, and see if they want to do a little presentation for their colleagues about what they learned, um, that kind of thing. So it's so even though once they hear this, that summit will be over, still might be a really great way to follow up with some of those teachers that attended. Um, I've got uh, October 17th, we're doing a, a big oh, uh, tech right. thing. Oh yeah, uh, JP's going woohoo. Um, so we're having um, our first uh, parent university night um, here at Orchard Farm and it's for anybody K-12 basically. And uh, it's going to be like in the gym and they're going, we're going to have all these different people presenting. We're going to have um, about different technology things and, and apps and safety, internet safety, passwords, stuff like that. Um, JP, he's, he's presenting. He's one of the breakout sessions um, helping out parents. And uh, we've got like the police coming to talk about that. Um, I don't know. So it's going to be pretty cool. And then we're showing um, screenagers as well. So It'll be a pretty cool night on October 17th. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. Sam, anything you want to shout out before we say goodbye? Um, no, the only thing that, that I was thinking of is check out Connected Ed Learning, um, connectedlearningstl.org. They have a lot of great events coming up. Um, I know that they have a un gala coming up, and they just have been, I've been having some things come across my desk that look very interesting, interesting for us tech folks. And if I'm, I can shout out just real quick. Um, I'm excited to head back out to Orchard Farm on October 17th to talk about parents and what they need to know about what's hiding in their kids' phones settings. I'm giving that set, the longer version of that presentation the night before here in Fox. And I want to shout out a, a podcast episode real quick. I published last week on my podcast the 
bits and bites of education, I did an interview with my daughter, Juliana, who is six. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, so you can check that, uh, that oh. out at jpprez.com slash pod. Now I took the idea, like when I started the podcast, I knew I wanted to do that, but I took the idea when my buddy, Chris Nessie, who does the house of ed tech, he did an interview with his own son a couple episodes back. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna make it a thing. So maybe more people will do it now. I don't know. We'll see. That's a cool idea. It, it was a lot of fun. You know, she had a sick day. She wasn't feeling good one day. So I'm like, gee, you want to do the podcast? Oh, daddy, I don't know. <laughs> so we kind of practiced the interview at the kitchen table, then went down to the recording studio and shared the microphone and talked for about 20 minutes. It was good stuff. That's cool. That's awesome. So thanks everyone for checking out episode eight of the EdTech Pod Squad. We're just going to go around one more time, remind you all how you can connect with us, starting with Aaron Lawson. All right. It's Aaron, District Tech Coach, Orchard Farm. And find me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Lawson 3. I got it, you guys. <laughs> and this is Sam Hardesty Knoll, District Tech Coach for the Winsville School District. And you can find me on Twitter at Tech Knoll. And my name is Josh Howard. You can find me at Josh C. Howard on the Twitters and my website, joshchoward.com. And I am J.P. Presavento, Instructional Technology Coordinator in the Fox School District in Arnold. Connect with me on the socials at J.P. P-R-E-Z-Z. Um, if this is your first time listening, Aaron never gets her Twitter handle right. Way Aaron, to go, Aaron. For Aaron right now. Way to go, Aaron. I'm Woo. dancing. I'm and dancing. I'll say goodbye for Jonathan since he's not with us today. And we will talk to you all in November. Have a great month. Peace out, y'all. This has been another episode of the EdTech Pod Squad. We'll see you next month for more sharing and reflecting with Josh Howard, Samantha Hardesty Knoll, Aaron Lawson, Jonathan Lee, and me, JP Presidente. <laughs>